So today's topic, I'm going to talk about something that gets completely missed in the evaluation of weight issues or when people come in with these three conditions, increasing weight, increasing fatigue, and memory loss or brain fog, and all of their test results are normal. What are the hormones we're not checking for? And I'm going to delve into the three specific hormones that we absolutely need to check and understand their function, their dysfunction, and how to resolve it. Hi there, welcome to Chilling with Dr. Chalam. I'm Dr. Chalam, founder of Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi, or Holistic Icon. This is a functional medical practice here in Michigan, and our goal is to help people understand that disease is not inevitable. Disease is something that we get when we don't make health as a choice. And my goal is to give you, in bite-sized portions, the changes that you can potentially make, the knowledge you can have about your own body, and help you reverse disease process, anything and everything that's within your power to change. So today's topic, I'm going to talk about something that gets completely missed in the evaluation of weight issues or when people come in with these three conditions, increasing weight, increasing fatigue, and memory loss or brain fog, and all of their test results are normal. What are the hormones we're not checking for? And I'm going to delve into the three specific hormones that we absolutely need to check and understand their function, their dysfunction, and how to resolve it. To help you understand why I'm focusing on these three hormones is recently I've registered to become certified in lifestyle medicine. And as I'm learning for my board exams, one of the statistics that really caught my attention was the increasing cause of death. The number one cause when they put all the stats together, whether it be for heart disease, for diabetes, for renal failure, for lung issues, for strokes, it is obesity. The most common complaint when people come to our office is this unstoppable weight gain and normal blood tests. They've checked their thyroid, they've checked their blood sugars, everything seems to be fine, but they can figure out why they are gaining weight. And I'm gonna delve into those three hormones that might be contributing to this obesity. Here's another very important statistics, which also was very fascinating. Of the obese population in the United States, 50% develop diabetes, 50% do not. So if you're one of those who says, yes, I do have a higher body mass index, or I am a little heavier, but I'm basically healthy, I don't take any medications, I have no diabetes, could be be missing the boat on you if you're gaining weight, but just have not been diagnosed with disease because you're ignoring some of the symptoms that is associated with increasing weight gain, increasing inflammation, like early fatigue or chronic pain, and even brain fog or memory loss. So what should we be doing so that we don't miss the boat and bring in true prevention? The interesting thing about these hormones that I'm going to talk about is not only for our morbidly obese or obese individuals. It is for those of you who are skinny fat too. Being of South Asian origin, most of the diseases of cardiovascular origin or cardiovascular risk happens in skinny fat folks who have a normal body mass index. Let's start off with making that request. Please subscribe to the channel, smash that thumbs up button, and share this video with someone who you believe will benefit from it. 
And for you hardcore learners who stay till the end of the video, I have my question that's going to come up. I don't know what the question is going to be. You answer that with your email. I'll send you a cheat sheet for something that will be valuable to you. So let's get started. What are the three hormones that we need to be looking at but completely fail to test in a routine physical exam or a routine complaint of weight issues or metabolic abnormality or even memory problems? Let's start with hormone number one. Hormone number one is named leptin. You may have heard of leptin, but do you know what leptin actually does? And how do you know if you have a problem with leptin? So leptin is one of those hormones that's produced by the fat cells. Now there are different types of fat cells in our body and this video is not going to delve into the different types of fat cells but it's important to understand the ones that we get concerned about are as human beings when it comes to a body image is subcutaneous fat. Now subcutaneous fat is the kind of fat that you see in sumo wrestlers. They have this increasing accumulation of fat under the skin that is subcutaneous that doesn't put you at a high risk for cardiovascular disease it's a different type of fat that puts you at higher risk for increasing disease and that is the visceral fat this is the fat that surrounds your organs now why does fat surround the organs probably because they protect the organs and they do have a very specific quality they are pro-inflammatory that means they increase inflammation but they also do something else they act as an endocrine organ. now let's go back to what happens when you eat when you eat your blood sugars go up that is the molecule of energy that your cells need the job of insulin is to get this molecule of blood sugar or glucose into the cells so the cells can burn it and get energy. Now what happens in the world of abundance that we live is we tend to eat more than what our cells need so there's a little extra glucose always left in the blood but the insulin does its job and puts it away. It stores it in the liver, it stores it in the muscle and after that if there's still some excess glucose it has to get very innovative about what it's going to do with that glucose and this is where it creates a new storage called adipocyte. What is adipocyte? It's a fat cell. Now you would think a fat cell just stores fat but it does more than that. It acts as an endocrine gland. In other words it produces hormones and one of the hormones that we're going to talk about first is this leptin. Leptin is a hormone that tells your brain we have enough energy, enough fat so let's stop the hunger signal. Now you might think so having a lot of leptin is a good thing but when your leptin actually goes up it indicates your fat cells are increasing. Now that's counterintuitive. If leptin tells your body and your brain that we are full, we have enough energy, shouldn't you decrease hunger and therefore decrease weight? This is what happens. When your fat cells increase and the glucose is getting shunted not into the cells but to the fat because the cells are resisting the action of insulin, after a certain time the cells really begin to starve because the insulin resistance has built up over a period of time. So the brain signal internally is the cells are malnourished. So when the leptin tells the brain we're quite full, the brain says nope. I get a different signal I'm going to ignore you and so the leptin gets higher and higher and higher as the fat cells increase in number and in size. 
So now we have a condition called leptin resistance. Why is that important? The most common abnormality I see with people who gain weight, have normal blood sugars, have no other issues other than this weight gain is leptin resistance. And how do you know if you have leptin resistance? If you're one of those who wakes up in the morning, has no hunger whatsoever, you can go on till the middle of the day when the first pangs of hunger hit, you probably have leptin resistance. Now, it's not enough that you just don't feel hungry in the morning, but you're ravenously hungry by the end of the day and you're eating all the way up to bedtime and have a lot of difficulty losing weight, you most likely have leptin resistance. So the high leptin levels not only affect our brain, but also affect the beta cells of the pancreas and therefore increases your insulin levels and increases insulin resistance and increases fat storage. So it really drives up inflammation completely in contrast with the second hormone that we're going to talk about. If leptin causes increased inflammation, increase, increase insulin resistance, increasing fat storage, there's another hormone that does all of the opposite and that hormone is our second hormone, adiponectin. Adiponectin, one of the hormones and early signs of metabolic syndrome. If you've forgotten what metabolic syndrome is, you have to have three out of the five qualities, which is increased triglycerides, increased cholesterol, increasing fasting blood glucose, increased systolic blood pressure, and increasing abdominal girth or waistline. 40 inches in men and 35 inches in women, a little lesser in Asian women and men. Even before you have three of the five qualities to be defined as metabolic syndrome, one of the early signs of development of metabolic syndrome is checking the levels of adiponectin. Should adiponectin be high or low? It usually is low when you have increased risk for metabolic syndrome. Adiponectin is exactly the opposite of leptin. The higher your fat cells, the greater your insulin resistance, the lower your adiponectin. So with increasing insulin sensitivity, your adiponectin goes up. In other words, it promotes the good aspects of your metabolism. Getting the adiponectin high in the double digit is what we look for when we are resolving metabolic syndrome. Adiponectin is a hormone that's again produced by the fat cells, but as the fat cells go down, its levels go up. What adiponectin does is it reduces inflammation, it improves ins insulin sensitivity, it increases the anti-arthrogenic, anti-diabetic, and anti-inflammatory properties of adiponectin makes it a very good hormone to reduce cardiovascular risk. Both leptin and adiponectin are not hormones that you can just inject. You have to be able to increase the levels of adiponectin and decrease the level of leptin resistance through some simple lifestyle measures. Once again, I will delve a little deeper into those towards the end of this video. The third hormone is something that you all are familiar with, and that's the cortisol or glucocorticoid. But let me tell you a little about the glucocorticoid. This is probably one of the more common reasons why I find diabetes and metabolic syndrome, particularly in my skinny fat folks. So what is the cortisol or what is the glucocorticoid? When you have a stress, let's talk about an acute stress. For instance, you're driving, 
down the freeway, you're daydreaming or you're a little sleepy and suddenly you realize you're about to hit somebody right in front of you because they braked. You brake, your heart rate goes up, your eyes widen and you're suddenly awake and energized for the rest of your drive. That is the adrenaline. However, in our modern life, with the abundance of stress, abundance of everything that we have around us, we seem to have not only these little spurts of stresses, but almost a chronic elevation of stress. Now, cortisol is also another hormone produced by the adrenal gland in these states of chronic stress. When we look at the normal rhythm of cortisol, and yes, every hormone in our body has a rhythm. Think of women who have the cycle. They have estrogens, progesterone that go in a cyclical fashion to have a normal menstrual cycle. Growth hormones have a rhythm. They go high at night to help our cells rejuvenate. Similarly, cortisol has a rhythm and the rhythm of cortisol has been well studied. It gets high in the morning, goes down as the day goes by and then becomes a little lower at night so you can get to sleep. Now this rhythm can get disrupted when we are stressed. We could have extremely high peaks in the morning when you're acutely stressed or you have early stressors. For instance, you take a new job as a project manager or take a job as a CEO of a company. The stress is tremendous. And yes, it initially gives you all of that energy. The glucose goes up, your energy goes up. However, it, you cannot sustain that for very long. Chronic stress is not sustainable. What happens when you have chronic stress? Does the cortisol stay high? Does it go low or something different happens? We're going to talk a little more in detail about what really happens when you have chronic stress and how it contributes to your weight gain, to your blood sugars, and possibly development of metabolic syndrome and even type 2 diabetes. To help you understand the importance of cortisol, I'm just going to go quickly over a study that they did some years ago. They took a group of men and women and they gave them a questionnaire to answer about their psychosocial stresses. And the interventions that they did was they first of all, measured the levels of cortisol, four-point measurements. And there were some five-point measurements, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So four-point measurements meaning morning, midday, late in the afternoon, and at night. But they did two specific interventions. They gave these folks lunch, and they measured cortisol when they did that. They also gave them an external source of steroid, like dexamethasone, and measured their cortisol at this time. What were they trying to do? They were trying to see the rhythm of the cortisol, its response or the plasticity of this cortisol to any stressor, like lunch, eating lunch can be a stressor. Giving an external source of cortisol should suppress your internal production of cortisol. So your body doesn't get an excess of cortisol. That's, that's really the rhythm and responsiveness of our adrenal, the hypothalamic axis. Now, this is what was very interesting. They divided the two groups of people, the men and women, into two major groups. One is with increased body mass index and the other with normal or low body mass index. And what they found was very interesting. The people with the low body mass index, their rhythm of cortisol was perfect, goes up in the morning, goes down, and becomes almost normal at night. And when they had lunch, the cortisol would peak. So there was it was a stressor. 
When they gave cortisol from outside, gave the dexamethasone, it would suppress the internal production of cortisol. What happened to people who had answered that they have increased uh, stress and they had increased BMI? This was also very interesting. It was not that their cortisol was not produced, or it wasn't high or it wasn't low, it was rigid. What does that mean? There was no rhythm to the cortisol. It did not have the specific S-shaped curve of the cortisol being high in the morning, going down during the day and flattening at night. And in fact, when they gave lunch, there was barely a peak. When they tried to suppress the cortisol production, there was no response the system had become rigid. The adrenal hypothalamic axis, the brain adrenal connection had become rigid and completely unresponsive to all of the stressors and the stimuli and the suppression. That is an increased risk for metabolic syndrome, for development of cardiovascular disease, and very importantly, for suppression of your sex hormones and your growth hormone. So what the conclusion of the study was, when your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis works really well, you have excellent health. When that rhythmic function goes away, it becomes rigid, you develop chronic diseases. Now, here's what is very interesting. The way it impacts our health is by affecting the glucose metabolism. There's far more glucose being made when there's high cortisol. There's less fat being broken down. There's more visceral fat accumulating. There's increased leptin resistance, increased insulin resistance, decrease in the sex hormones, decrease in the growth hormone, and increased risk of atherosclerosis or hardening of your blood vessels, increase heart disease, increase high blood pressure. So you can see it's not simply having stress, it's all of the metabolic implications of having a cortisol that becomes very rigid, chronic, and not responsive to anything and everything that you're doing and promotes inflammation and disease. So now comes the question, what can you do about this? So to just quickly summarize the three hormones that we should be checking when you have a problem with weight gain, difficulty losing weight, memory problems are leptin, arponectin, and the cortisol rhythm, not just cortisol levels. Now, very important about the memory problem. When your cortisol is persistently high and rigid, it destroys the hippocampal area of the brain, the area that is important for new learning. And that's why when you say, you know, my brain is not as it used to be, this is important to get checked, your rhythm and the rigidity of the rhythm to any of the stimuli. So what can you do about these three abnormalities? If your leptin is high, your adiponectin is low, and the rhythm of the cortisol is impaired, we can do a few things. Leptin resistance, let's talk about that. Remember, when you have leptin resistance, you wake up in the morning with no hunger. How can you utilize that to reduce the resistance of leptin? What you wanna focus on is something called intentional fasting. I know you've heard of intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, but I want you to understand a little better about how can you optimize your intermittent fasting. 
You may have heard of people who go into intermittent fasting and actually gain weight. What is happening in their physiology that's making them do that? Intentional fasting means you're doing this with the intention of shifting your metabolism. You're shifting use of energy from glucose or carbohydrates to utilization of fat. And how do you know that utilization of fat has occurred? You got to go into what is known as ketosis or check for the levels of ketones. When that shift happens, the intentional fasting happens, your leptin resistance begins to go down. So how can you get into intentional fasting? The simple first step would be stop eating after dinner. Do not have a bedtime snack. Try to eat dinner as early as possible. Have about three to four hours before bedtime. And it's okay if you go to bed hungry, drink a little water. And when you wake up in the morning, since you're already not hungry, Continue all the way till midday when you can break the fast. But before you break the fast, check for ketones. So leptin resistance can be handled by postponing your first meal and by preponing your last meal and avoiding any bedtime snacks. If you can go into ketosis, that would be a bonus point. The second one is decreased caloric intake. That's a little harder for most of us. If you can track your calories and reduce your caloric intake, and by doing intentional fasting, you do tend to reduce your caloric intake by almost 30% if you do it right, then the other hormone, adiponectin, goes up. So in order to get the leptin go down and adiponectin go up, it's really the timing of your meals. The third thing that really helps with these two hormones is high-intensity interval training. I know you didn't want to hear about another advice on exercise, but let's begin by simple measures like squats. Maybe do 10 squats, maybe do 10 wall push-ups, anything that gets your muscles moving and slowly build up the speed and the number. Even doing a plank, anything that will induce sweating. Get on that track, but here's the key. It's all about consistency. People tend to give up after about two or three months of doing something because they are looking at their weight. Instead of looking at your weight, just continue to create these few habits of eating earlier in the evening, not having any bedtime snacks, waking up and not breaking your fast till you're hungry, and reducing the caloric intake by restricting your meal plan to just two big meals a day and adding the high intensity interval training. If you do this on a consistent basis, just maybe for 10 minutes each day, the exercise part does not have to be 45 minutes to one hour. In fact, I think 45 minutes to one hour increases your cortisol. So instead of that, just do about 10 to 15 minutes where you sweat, it will shift your leptin adiponectin seesaw or the ratio of leptin and adiponectin. The higher the ratio, the more your risk for metabolic syndrome. The lower your ratio, in other words, higher adiponectin and lower leptin takes you out of the metabolic syndrome pathway. And there's one other simple measure which you might actually like is to add aged garlic to your diet. This increases your adiponectin. Now let's get to how to deal with cortisol. Cortisol, as we can see, is due to chronic stresses. Stress is something that we experience when we feel helpless about issues or problems which are not under our control. In other words, problem at work, your relationship with your manager, 
your relationship at home, financial stresses. And a lot of times these stresses build our cortisol because we think the same way every day. When you have a problem, you're tapping into your past in order to find a solution for the present. What we really need to do is to clear the mind and look at all the options. How do you clear your mind? The best way to do that is to spend exactly five minutes immediately upon waking to shut off all external stimuli. You close your eyes, listen to a music or, or just the sounds around you, but you're shutting off all of the external stimuli by closing your eyes and you're moving inward. This reduces your cortisol. Even if you focus on your breath, it reduces your cortisol. And then no matter how busy your day is, you have already shifted your physiology. So addressing cortisol levels, the rigidity is managing stress, and that can be done by this biofeedback. This is not about stopping your thoughts, stopping your mind. It's like saying you got to sit for five minutes and stop breathing and stop your heart rate. No, the mind is going to continue to water, but you're cutting out all external stimuli. Think about what you do first thing in the morning. Are you getting on the phone? Are you listening to the news? Are you in a hurry because you're already late? You slept late at night and you're waking up after you snoozing your alarm. These are the things that build up into a disordered rhythm of the cortisol. So look at your personal habits and shift them little by little. But to quickly to summarize, increased leptin or resistance to leptin can be addressed by doing intentional fasting. Increasing your adiponectin, which is a metabolically favorable hormone, can be done by adding aged garlic to your diet or reducing the caloric intake by doing the intentional fasting. Number three, cortisol rigidity can be done by looking at your options, dressing the stress by going inward in the beginning of the day so that you can handle the stress by shifting your physiology. Hopefully information about these three hormones have opened your mind to a different way of thinking and a different way of living. And remember, health is intuitive and it's your business. Disease is what we go to medical school for and that is the business of medicine. I'm Dr. Chalam, founder of Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi, the best place for you to find your best doctor, and that will always be you. So for those of you who stayed till the end of this video, here's your question for a bonus gift. What is the word I use to describe the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis? Something about the rhythm of the cortisol. What was that adjective that I used to help you understand what happens to the cortisol. Write down that word in the comment with your email address and you will receive a cheat sheet on how to initiate intentional fasting. Thank you once again for supporting our YouTube channel and make sure you share this video with someone whom you believe will benefit.